Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. With Ken Laird. Bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's a killer. Yeah. He's a mess. Lace him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Time for another edition of Sunday Skate on a uh, weekday, Matt. It's uh, the 6th of August, everyone, everyone hockey kn- news is flying quick. Everyone knows it's Sunday Skate because that's what the intro says. I know. I haven't gotten around to... Uh, well, I've, I've been busy with uh, other yeah, shows. Busy, busy, busy being hidden, hijacked into a rickshaw well, with yeah, Bradford. Well, that too. Glad you, glad you made it back. Let's not speak of that. The uh, morning show has changed three or four times in the last uh, couple years, so we've been busy re-imaging. Part of that, uh, at one point, as an intern, was our next guest. From CLNS Media, I think they got those in the correct order, and former K&C intern Evan Marinovsky joins us, who famously, graciously gave up his seat for me, That's right. finally respected his elders in Game 7, and uh, perhaps that jinxed the Bruins, but Evan is on the line now after stabbing us in the back and doing a Ty Anderson interview cross-podcast today on CLNS. Hi, yeah. What's up, Evan? Yeah, Evan, what did, you, what did you learn about Ty Anderson that we don't know? Oh, well, lots of things. What's up, guys? No, I uh, I, I knew uh, having him on my Bruins podcast, the Bruins beat on CLNS Media, which you can listen to every Tuesday. Um, uh, I knew having him on would uh, would ruffle some feathers, and uh, but no, he, it was a good interview. It was fun talking Bruins. Uh, and yeah, Ken, I... Um, Respect my elders, I said, you know what? I'm gonna, you know, Chris Curtis texted me. He said, Evan, if you don't move out of that, if you don't move out of that seat, uh, I'm I'm never talking to you again. And I, the, the wrath of Curtis is not. As someone who interned at KNC last summer, the wrath of Curtis is not something that you want to screw with. Correct. So, did you ask so Ty about shoving Kalman in the back viciously during a, a media scrum during a media practice? Well, I think we've talked about that before. Um, you know, but I, I don't remember what he said, but uh, I wanted to, you know, I, I think that's the funniest thing is that they almost got in a fight in the press box. I think that's absolutely hilarious. You know, Calvin and I were sitting so close to each other in the Stanley Cup. They put us like you didn't even, I mean, Matt, you remember we were so close in every seat. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't get into it. I mean, yeah, well, so the well, you, was, well, you were just afraid you were just staying away from me. So that's why you, you, you kind of leaned well, over the, the other the, direction. The best was when Matt would stand up in the third period and get all frustrated and go, I'm going down. i got to go somewhere else and watch the game. I can't watch it here. It was awesome. Cranky Calvin at his best. That's the... Cranky Calvin at his peak. It was awesome. Very good. Well, you're doing great work. You're just a junior at UMass Amherst, but you are a rising star in the Bruins media ranks. That is for sure. And quite a... Uh, well, thank you. Quite ranks... Uh, Quite a bit of quite a rank. Yeah. So there were sense. two reasons why we decided quite to have Evan on. The first one was because we have to lower our demographic age average here, and we have right. to get uh, the kids involved. So hopefully, Evan gives us some retweets, and we'll get some you know get to a teeny boppers followers. and yeah. uh, you know people who have lowered their standards from Justin Bieber to Evan will be tuning in just to you know we'll post some pictures of them and hopefully get some uh, the female and the younger demographic. Oh but, yes. But then by the second choice is because he wants to trade Jaroslav Halak. 
Oh, yes, I love this. This is awesome. Which you endorsed last week. You, like, half-heartedly endorsed it, didn't you, on the show? Well, we were just randomly spitballing here, but I've, I mean, I've come to the determination that, you know, you have to bite the bullet. And, I mean, this is not news, but the Bacchus thing is the only way really to get this done, and it's time to just cut bait and move on. But back to Evan and this Halak thing. How does this save you? How does this help you? Um, well, I mean, first of all, again, you guys know this. It's, it's August. You know, I brought this up in late July. <laughs> at this point, we're just kind of grasping at things to talk about. And to sort of fix, you know, when you're so entranced in cap hell, you got to find a way to get out of it. Again, um, my point with Halak, partially you would trade him because of cap reasons. But the real reason you'd trade him is he's 34, he's inconsistent. Does anybody really think Halak is going to play the way he did last year, this year? Yes. You know, the, the, I, I don't. I don't. He was inconsistent coming into Boston, had a great year last year. I still think he'll play well enough. And again, I'm not all in on trading Halak. It was just a thing I brought up. Like, hey, you know, why not look at trading Halak? You know, it's $2.75 million. It's not a terrible cap hit. You know, I mean, the, the Bruins right now are spending a combined, like, you know, $9.75 million in, in net, which isn't terrible. Um, but, but because of his play, uh, because of his inconsistencies, you know, if you want to trade him, you could easily kind of use that. Like, hey, look, this guy isn't, it hasn't, uh, you know, do we really expect him to yes. play up to the standard he did last year? Because he played better than Tuka Rask last year during the regular season. A lot of people forget that, but he played better than Rask. Do we well, really expect that to happen again? Well the, well, the spreadsheets have proven that why that was. He was playing. He was inconsistent with the Islanders because he was getting inconsistent playing time. He was seeing a barrage of not just shots, but a, a barrage of high-quality shots. Uh, he knew, his agent knew, and the Bruins knew that coming to a team that you know prides itself on defense, that the shot quality would go would would decrease and he'd have better time and also by playing you know less often and just being fresher he'd be able to play better and it all paid off and there's no reason to believe that that's not going to happen again this coming season if he stays healthy and uh how do you replace him what what are you replacing with this guy with well so that's the issue again he's also 34 and and 2.75 doesn't clear up enough space to really get done what you need to get done anyway. You need at least four or five million because you're not just signing McAvoy and Carlo. You are need some flexibility for call ups, for bonuses, for those types of things. So, no, but the thing with Halak is you would have to. It would be a um, you do Halak and someone else. So ideally, if you were going to do Halak, you'd also do John Moore or or Kevin Miller. You have you'd have to do those two together. Um, but replace that's sort of where the the, the issue lies. And you have Max, like I say. He has had almost no NHL success. He's had a little bit of experience, but not much. Um, there's some other guys out there. I mean, there's, you know, Chad Johnson. I, I don't know if that's going to be what <laughs> saves Tuka Rask for no. the, the postseason. But this sort of comes up with um, with who's left and who would replace him. Again, this is something that they could have addressed around free agency, you know, signed uh, some free agent goalie to, you know, under a million if they wanted to. But, again, as you said, and I agree with you, trading Halak would not free up all the space you'd need and free up some space. You'd have to pair another contract with it to free up that space. Because, you know, and I think a lot of people are forgetting, not only, and you said, I think you just said this, not only do they have to re-sign McAvoy and Carlo, but you also have to, you have, you have Krug up next off season. Yeah. Uh, Jake DeBrusque is an RFA. So, you know, they have some real cap maneuvering to do, and, 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 and it's not ending anytime soon. Well, of course, we're talking about all this because of the uh, impending RFA difficulties of Charlie McAvoy and 
to a lesser extent, Brandon Carlo, but uh, not much lesser. But, you know, all of this, Cam Neely spoke with uh, with Brand X or Snack Bar, whatever you want to call them, on uh, on, on NBC <laughs> Sports <Bar>. Boston. <laughs> and and those the clips that were taken out were, we have to plan and prepare for these players to not be at camp. It's a bit of an ominous Which, statement. Yeah, I don't take it as ominous. Every team with RFAs has to prepare, right? That's why, you know... And if, whether it's injuries or RFAs, you have to prepare, have enough bodies in camp. That's what he's talking about. Well, fair enough. Um, but then he yeah. but he proceeded to talk about right. cap difficulties. Yep. And uh, he said, you know, they always start from a position of fairness. I'm not sure uh, if you talk to the representatives from Charlie McAvoy, they would agree. But is it before you get into the particulars of this, Evan, I mean, would you uh, th- to me, this is like the clear cut. This is Don Sweeney's biggest challenge to date. If he screws this up, this will be worse than anything else you can blame him for in his tenure. Albeit a short one, uh, going back to what twenty fifteen when he when right. he took over the raids. What uh, lo- losing McAvoy yeah. and and Carlo? If, if you, well, yeah, that, I mean that, just McAvoy. Forget huge. about Carlo because if they lose Carlo, you can understand. All right, you know you you, you undersell him for a bridge here. Whatever. The determination here is that you can draft you can and develop that. yet another Brandon Carlo. Yes. Are you going to yes. do with Charlie McAvoy? Absolutely not. Right. They'd be screwed if they lost McAvoy. <laughs> I mean it's. They, I mean, I, you know, you'd be losing another top-tier young player. That would be the thing, you know? Like, and, and the Bruins kind of have this rep of giving up on you know, younger players, and they have it with Cassidy, but this, the, the narrative would come back again. If they lost McAvoy, I mean, you're losing a top-tier right-shot defenseman in this league who can play his own end of the ice well, he's great in the offensive zone, has to shoot the puck more, but that's something that'll come with time. Um, but it's unbelievable to me that uh, it, it, like the thought of even not having him next year, the thought of, the thought of having like a William Nylander holdout, um, you know, up until right up until December first would be insane to me, right. and it would be such a bad hit to the, the it's Bruins. A, but it's, it's all, a lost year for both. We, we've seen that so many times with these types of guys. And it also, but for us, it'd be another storyline. The Bruins <laughs> finally have a little bit of excitement. They have, you know, they have some drama. We've been waiting for that for so long. Give us some drama to talk and write about. Um, but no, I think for the for the, for the actual team, and we should be it's terrible. I, yeah. you don't replace that. And we should be clear too that losing him at this point doesn't mean physically losing him. Losing him right now is holding him over a barrel because he has no rights, right. no arbitration, and saying to By him, "December he has to report." We're giving you a one-year deal for five million. Right. We have to fit this cap in, and this is our budget. And you're making you're not going to make more than Pasternak right now. And this is what we're going to do to you. What does that do to his psyche? His his attitude going forward about wanting to actually stay here. He's going to keep saying the right things, but is he already going to be looking down the road to saying, oh, gee, someday, the, at what point will the Rangers offer me and I can get out of here? So. Yeah, and I don't know his agent, Rick Curran, that well, right? but you would imagine he's well aware of the barrel that the, the Bruins are in, the position the Bruins are in. Right? Well, that's As Evan said, they're, they're screwed if they lose this when, guy. When the Bruins were in this situation with Krug and, and Riley Smith, um, it was a little different because they were pretty much stacked and they were they were they, they were going fine. They had replacements for those guys and those guys weren't what they are now, especially you know Tori Krug. Um, at this point though, and I wrote this. This is what I wrote: is that you know this is he really has the he has the leverage in both situations right now. Yeah, I mean the thing with McAvoy is is you know there's nobody like him. There's nobody to even like like if they let's say they, in theory they traded Krug, which I don't want them to do. I'm a huge Krug guy keep him but if they did Matt Grizzlick is at least somewhat close you know he's he's on he's 
he's in the same ballpark as the defenseman, that, in the same prototype defenseman that Tory Krug is. They don't have anybody like Charlie McAvoy. They don't have anybody who plays both ends of the ice the way he does. Um, and I also think that, you know, there is a little bit of positivity to be had from this because, you know, a guy like Don Sweeney has been very good at re-signing his own guys to team-friendly deals. And I think that, you know, if the guy, if guys like Brad Marsh and Bergeron can go to a guy like McAvoy and say, hey, look, if, you, if, if we want to win, you're going to have to take a little bit less uh, than, than maybe, you know, you'd be, you'd be, you're supposed to be getting. Well, that, well, that's interesting, too, because Pasternak was the last guy to almost hold out, right? He went into a little bit of uh, yep, training, training camp, camp yep. whatever, and he signed a deal, and that looks pretty team-friendly based on, on what he's done the last couple of years. You wonder if well, there's a Pasternak cap or some kind, I or mean, a, you know, the Bergeron n- cap. Nice guy, about. but a bit of a fool, because he just took the deal. Yeah, right. And how many times has he said, oh, of course, the famous quote that he gave me that everyone stole was, I don't play hockey for money. So, you know, good for you, but everybody else does, so... Yeah, you're all you're all mad about that because that quote he gave you didn't he? Did he say Matt at the end of it? Didn't he say your name? Of course he did. Of course he did. But you know, that's pretty big. That's pretty big time, Matt. <laughs> Jeez, can Poshnock oh, say name know, on the, media? Is there anything more useless than Stanley Cup Media Day for the local media? <laughs> I mean, really? Like it was my first one, and I'm going like, we've talked to these guys for ten straight days. I have nothing <laughs> new to ask. It was so pointless. It was just. So the Chinese media and, you know, like the, the media from Buffalo could get some questions in, you know. Hey, Charlie Coyle, how does it feel to be from Weymouth and be in the Stanley Cup final? Like, oh, that hasn't been asked 700 times. My God. <laughs> Sorry I went off the road there, but Jesus. That's what happens. Uh, you, you lose the, uh, you know, the, the charm of uh, just being a couple beat writers on the scene. That's right. During the oh, yeah, season, the charm. The price of progress. But so back to Sweeney. What, what is in contention for his worst move? What would you say? Because I think you would point to the draft picks. Uh, Scott McLaughlin and I were talking about this before we came on, and Scotty said, I, "To me, it's that draft. It's it's only getting DeBrusque of the three first round picks." Although you know, as you said, Matt, before we came on, that was they were kind of putting a bad spot there, timing wise, with Dougie Hamilton. But you still had to, you know, well, you were, you yeah, were still they, under. You yeah, to, I mean, the one thing I've heard from a couple of people was that they were unprepared to make those picks because of they thought they were trading up. And um, to me, that just blows my mind if that's true, because at the very least, if you're unprepared, then what are you doing reaching for a Sinitian? Now, Zaboro was up there. That's fine. But Sinitian was the highly regarded one of the bunch, I thought. I mean, no. he was a, an exciting well, scorer when they drafted him. Well, no, him. he was the one that hadn't done any scoring yet because he was playing in a John Beecher situation where he was playing in the O behind a bunch of talented players, and they said, well, now he's going to get more ice time and he's going to become... No, I started star. following the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds right away, and every, every goal he scored, I was getting excited about it. DJ Bean called it the house that Sinitian built right over there. The, right next door, we were, starting to, we were pumping his tires first of all, in 2015. First of all, DJ Bean wouldn't call it the Sinitian now because he would actually make sure to get the exact pronunciation. No, at that, say, the time it was Sinitian. Sinitian, but whatever. Right. So what do, you think the worst, what do you think the worst Sweeney move is, Evan? I mean, again, the, the Sinitian and, and the Boral uh, picks were terrible, considering that Matt Barzal was taken right after. Like, I think that that's the biggest slap in the face. If you have two draft busts, like, so what? Uh, or not so what, but, you know, you can't immediately say it's the worst move. But when, you know, a, an elite centerman is taken right after you pick your three people, that's when it looks terrible. Like, that's what sets that move over the top for being terrible. And based on their um, age, it appears Zaboro and Sedishin are not going to be major con- contributor- contributors to the NHL. Do we feel that right now? I mean, you can't write them yeah, off completely. No, they're, they're not doing, I think Zaboro has more of a chance either. than Sedishin for sure. 
But I think also, you know, like the reason we're talking about the Charlie McAvoy and the Brandon Carlo re-signing and, and because it's such an issue is this David Backus contract. Right. I mean, how can, you know, like, you know. The but he almost got handed the cup second. Didn't you hear our show? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I again, I just think the the Backus signing is what's killing them right now. Um, you know, Bolesky, they got off their hands, but. The, the David Backus signing. I mean, even at the time, it was like, you know, the league was starting to trend faster. Connor McDavid was getting, you know, the, the, the Connor McDavid hockey that we see today was sort of getting better and better. And it's like, you know, these big brutes are kind of getting, you know, angled out of the league. And you're giving $6 million to to David Backus. It was desperate. Um, they had missed who, the playoffs two years in a row. And I think it was just, you know, we need to, the the the, 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 the core is... You know, the, the was there ever, ever a craziest moment than when McKenzie tweeted out that it was going to be a one-year deal and people were having a parade in the streets? <laughs> and then we found out what it really Five was. Years, Five million. years, 30 Five million. Five years. <laughs> but, did, but didn't they traded Lucic, what, the year before they, they right. uh, signed back? So they probably, at the time, they probably felt like we need this big presence on Krejci's right yeah. side and we need, you know, oh, we need a leadership presence. The, the but, reasons to sign back is we're – we're fine, and let's face it, they don't make the playoffs in 17 without him there to, to keep the team together, but nonetheless um, totally overvalued him as far as... But they passed on Louis Erickson, and that would have been wasted money. So That would have been wasted money, too, exactly. So it wasn't that bad. My favorite David Backus goal was <laughs> the one he scored against Ottawa. Do you remember that in the playoffs when uh, I think it was Bobby Ryan who was back on defense, and it was in the... I forget which game it was in that first round in 17, and the defense, I think it was Bobby Ryan, like, went to shoot the puck out of his own zone. He missed it. His gloves, both his gloves fell off. His stick fell. <laughs> and Backus just goes in and puts it right through uh, Anderson's legs. It was the game that they came, uh, it's so useless, but they came back to make it 3-3, and Poshnok scored that power play goal. I don't know. That's the only Backus memory I had where I was like, wow, like, what a play. But other than that, yeah, no. I, I think that's Sweeney's worst move, honestly. I do. I mean, the reasons are fine, but... The term on that contract and the price, I just, I'm not, I, I, I think that the, the long term impact that that's had on this team since that signing has been, I think, Sweeney's worst move. Some people keep bringing up Brett Connolly, but he was so bad here. I, I don't know how you can blame him for not seeing. Oh, you mean Connolly? Oh, not, yeah. not keeping Connolly, well, he goes there, to Washington. There is and, a school of thought, and, I, and, and we talk about this all the time on the beat, is just. Uh, Brett Connolly, Joe Morrow, these guys that weren't tendered, right. they got nothing for Matt them for Irwin. no reason. And it was like, why didn't you get something for these younger players? I mean, you know, Connolly and Morrow were still good young players. Um, why didn't you get something for them? Whether it was a fifth-round pick or something, they just let these guys walk for nothing. But um, Sweeney's never really answered those questions, and it's kind of the horse has left the barn. You can't really do revisionist history here. Yeah. Brett Connolly, my God. <laughs> but no, he was I, I fine just, with Bergeron and Marchand. That's the kind of player you need. He's basically Dan well, Knighton. There was a stat earlier this summer. I don't have it in front of me. I think Bruin Stats tweeted out. They were like, you know, oh, um, people who play with Bergeron and Marchand always play like a thousand times better. I remember right. Brett Connolly was on the list, and I was like, damn, like they made, like Bergeron and Marchand are so good together that they made Brett Connolly. You know this this suitable number one right winger with them, but, but he wasn't I, I really. Know. He was a disappointment. He he's he's probably the least impressive guy that's played with him. Uh, oh yeah, I know, but th- that he still fit with the spot line uh, yeah. with their line, I thought was was pretty funny. Well, uh, in I mean, in the end, do you guys see this going to December? Is this going to be? I mean, I yeah, can't, yeah, I can't the, imagine it going to December. They, both sides have to know how. 
I don't think what McAvoy are, cares. I, I don't. The, the, I think Carlo is definitely in, and McAvoy is going to be the harder one. And yes. It's, um, it's, it's, it, it, if it goes to December, it's going to be a disaster for both. I mean, we've seen when Charlie McAvoy comes back from injury how you know what long it takes him to get it to, into the swing of things, and we've seen so many guys have troubles doing this. It's not uh, it's not ideal, and I think it, I think you're wrong. I think he knows that, and I think at some point he will maybe take the bridge deal, and then he'll really stick it to the Bruins next year or the year after that. You know, next year he can get offer sheets. The year after that he has arbitration. He can you know hold the Bruins up for that, and otherwise just uh, for, then he'll force his way out. I just think the Bruins have too much awareness to ever let this go to December, even into the season. I think this will be done, you know, kind of when the Pasternak deal was done. Um, I think Brennan Car- what Brennan Carlo gets is interesting because obviously all our focus is on McAvoy, and we think that what Carlo gets will kind of, you know, be team-friendly and all this stuff. But after the postseason he had, I mean, he has every right to go in there and say, you know, I deserve, you know, $4.5 million. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I mean, yeah. I, I think it was DJ, being on, DJ was saying on this podcast that, you know, he, he thought that maybe Carlo would get a long-term deal, you know, four or five years at $4 million or something. And I totally agree with that. I mean, I could totally see that happening. And it's team-friendly, you know, covers his pr- pr- a lot of his prime. And, you know, why not, right? Yeah, I mean that's obviously we're you know we're comparing different kinds of players here, and that's the, that's the issue. I mean, uh, there's no doubt what which guy is is worth the more the more money and the more the longer term, and which guy maybe is a little less. And um, and, and if, if they're the, into comps, it was Ekblad that kind of set the market right for McAvoy, right? Sure, eight, eight by seven and a half. Yeah, and then you've seen some guys. I mean, the, the problem is again, it's not just on the team. It's there's guys around the league. I'm looking at these numbers and. A guy like Sam Girard in Colorado just signs this deal. He gave up two UFA years to just get five million a year after just two years in the NHL. I mean, what is he thinking? I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna be so much better. Too many of these NHL guys are just you know they're just like I don't know what the word is, but they're so they're so complacent about this and just so willing to just take whatever the ownership gives them. And it like Pasta, that's what makes the NHL so boring. Like Pasternak, exactly. That's exactly that is what makes it boring. And the salary cap combined with that, and the fact is that uh, you know. They have to be looking down the road, and if you're McAvoy, maybe you really. Do. What is this new CBA going to look like? Is there going to be more freedom for more money, or is it going to be uh, like this, or maybe even tighten the screws even more, which would really, would really suck for the, for the league's you know appeal and for these players. Like in the NBA, you'd have you know Charlie McAvoy subtweeting the Bruins. You'd have Brandon Carlo <laughs> posting Instagram stories of like you know you know Don Sweeney with a target on his head. I mean, it would just be it would be you know so much content and this is just like you know they'll sign a deal and it'll probably be team friendly and because i just i again i don't see this going to december i don't i mean i i just think that you know if that ever were to happen the we you know that you know they're already i think the bruins are already going to start out slow as is they open up in uh in out west to start the year you know i already said i think they'll start out slow you know stanley cup even though they lost the stanley cup loss hangover you know uh during that first part of the year anyways they have a tough road uh, in October. They play uh, Tampa, then Toronto, and a home-and-home home in a stretch of, like, five days. Um, so I already think they're going to start out slow. You're, with, you're without McAvoy to start the year, and that goes towards December. I mean, that's – I don't know how you make up from that, especially with the Atlantic Division being so good, which I think – I don't know if people are overlooking, but I feel like it's not being talked about enough to how good the Atlantic Division is. Like, the not that it's a be-all, end-all of rankings, but, you know, the NHL Network's top 20 centers – you know, top of uh, the top ten, six are in the Atlantic Division. So, you know, I mean, you just look at that alone, and it's like, oh my god, that is a good division. So they can't slip up at all this year. So if they're without McAvoy in December, I mean, I don't even know how you recover from that. 
Evan, good stuff. Uh, next week you'll be interviewing Ryan Johnston or somebody from Brand X, I'm sure. Yeah, or maybe even like again. Kirk Minahan or someone. Who knows? Yeah, why don't you get Kirk well, it'll, yeah, Well, I think uh, next week is going to be Kirk. The week after it will be Ty again. Uh, <laughs> and then the third week, third week, third week, Fred Toucher, and the fourth week will be Jack Edwards again. <laughs> Jack Edwards is all right. He's not an enemy. Yeah. No, I love Jack. Jack yeah. is awesome. I talked to him for two hours. I didn't think it would be that long. But... All right, now now say something that only only millennials would understand, so that we can seem cool right now. Teach us some millennial speak. Oh, some millennial speech. Ooh, uh, you guys ever heard of uh, of uh, TikTok? The app TikTok. You ever heard of that? Nope. There you go. Great. Oh, there it is. Big TikTok. I'm not a big. I'm not really a big TikTok oh. guy, but I was just watching a video on stupid uh, t- TikTok. Is this app where you uh, someone lip syncs a song in in the in a video i don't use it i don't do it but it, a lot of people make cringeworthy content and they make fun of it so i like to make fun of it so well, just like our podcast <laughs> oh yeah just just like that new morning show <laughs> bye evan peace out guys <laughs> uh, that's evan marinowski clns media but he raised some good points now he brought he brought up the list before we uh, finish up let's talk yeah. about your list and bergeron's place on it you talked to mike moriali oh. for the bonus pod yeah uh, last week, pretty good audio quality. Not great for the host. For you, it was fine. Yeah, I had a tough time hearing Morialia. I don't okay. know if you got any feedback on that. Nope, no one's it. It was not response. unlistenable. Yeah, so I liked it. It was a bonus. Right, exactly. It's a bonus. We'll and try to get you better, the... better material to maybe. Yeah. But it's and a great idea. We kept it nice and short. Nice and, and short. Uh, is good. I, I loved his uh, his uh, comparison to Blake Wheeler. I think you could see that a little bit. This especially is for John Beecher, for people who For John it. Beecher, yeah. right. For the first round pick, uh, people were maybe up in arms that they reached, and I still think there are ways to uh, maximize your draft picks rather than going for this guy who doesn't necessarily project as a top six guy, definite, but, and there could have been some there. But for the 30th pick, a good pick. I, the more I hear about him, the more I like him. I like the fact that people outside of the organization are talking about the fact that he wasn't in a high-profile role playing on a deep team. The Bruins like to sell you that. I don't always buy it from the Bruins, but when you're hearing it from outside sources, it's great. Good kid seems to really get the you know the thing. I think he'll he might turn pro this time next year. You'll see him in camp. One I year mean, in Michigan and done. One year in Michigan and done if he does the right things. Um, and yeah, I mean it's just uh, great to hear this stuff about this guy. And uh, I mean, and he's and he's doing it now on a bigger stage. I mean, World Junior Showcase isn't uh, necessarily the highest level of competition, but it's his peers, and he had some great moments there. They played him on the wing and center, so. Um, a good sign, at least, that this kid's you know a top couple, maybe top two or three prospect in the organization. Is it out of the realm of possibility? You think he contributes in two years to the NHL roster, or uh, is that? Yeah, I mean, these, the way these guys come on, I mean, and you know, not this coming season. Maybe next season he gets a, a cup of coffee here or there, and then maybe the year after that becomes a kind of a regular. The Krejci replacement, or you something. know, he right. does like some Fr- Frederick type cup of coffees, and then jumps jumps in there. Well, yeah, you do wonder if if Coyle's negotiation is affected by. Beecher and how he develops this year. You know, if if indeed they're going to go into the last year Coyle's deal, yeah, I mean, the, extension. the Coyle extension is going to be interesting too. I mean, and you you know we can we can lump Coyle in with Krug, and you almost at the Krug, way Krug is gone, the, right? he has to be gone, and you, you just wonder if if the plan is to just let him play it out. I mean, you're you're yeah. never going to be a better and, unless team. McAvoy goes horribly wrong, right? Exactly, and and you know what? It, it's you, you people will say you can't let him go for nothing. But you're not letting him go for nothing. You're letting him to go so that you're the best team you could possibly put on the ice this coming season. Which is why I thought he was going to go at the at the draft, but he didn't. So, right. So, 
you keep them and you, and if you lose them, you lose them. I mean, you're probably going to, but you need to you need that cap space to a lot other ways. I mean, even you yeah. can't even buy out Bacchus next year, and that goes back to what we were just talking about with Evan about Bacchus. It's a mistake. Not that they did the deal, maybe because we know all the things they needed that he brought. It's the structure of this deal that made it lockout proof. What were the, or I meant uh, buyout proof? Yeah. What were they thinking about that? I mean, did they, was this really make a break for getting this guy? Was he had to make structure it with all these bonuses to make sure that you could never buy him out? Oof. I mean, that's that's the biggest problem here. Now, was that a Sweeney mess up? Is that a agent demand that they just caved to? Or is that the capologist screwed it up? I mean, that's the worst part of it. I mean, even if you buy him out next year. You're only saving two million. It's it's crazy. Great questions. Um, so that <laughs> well, back to the list. Yeah, uh, Bergeron f- was where seventh. Seventh, yeah. Be- somehow he's behind Tavares and Matthews, which just blows my mind. And of course, this this thing. I, I mean, I've said it a few times now. Who the, put the list together? It's a panel of nobody, experts nobody in the NHL it. network. Yeah, nobody it was owns you're it. A pa- you're on the panel of experts, but you didn't have a vote in this. <laughs> you're an NHL.com correspondent. N- first of all, it wasn't NHL.com. Second of all, NHL.com correspondent is somewhere be- below janitor in the <laughs> NHL.com pyramid of power. It's below okay? NHL network No one cares what I think, man. I get the right straight news. No one cares what I think. Uh, but we know who it is. It's the Mike Johnsons. It's the Craig Buttons. It's the Kevin Weekses. You know, it's, it's all of them coming together. And let's face it, there's probably some marketing behind this. Uh, you want to make sure Austin Matthews, your shining light there, is is near the Here top. We go, the Toronto's you want to pretend that the Florida Panthers are relevant, so you make sure their Barkoff gets up near the top. I mean, you can't argue the top three, right? McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon. I would mm-hmm. maybe argue that McKinnon is ahead of Crosby right now, just based on the fact that he's trending up and Crosby's trending down. Um, but after that, I mean, how do you not put Bergeron fourth after those top three guys if you're talking right now? Not three years from now, not two. This right now, the what, way he's coming. What was up, the order? Four, five, six. Uh, Barkov, Tavares, Matthews, Barkov, Tavares, then, Matthews. then Bergeron. Uh, the Austin Matthews love is is amazing. The guy needs to you know go out there and prove it at some point. Um, points are nice. We know he's not the two way player that any of those guys are. He's not even. I mean, he's not the best center on his team. So. Uh, Tavares clearly hasn't beat at this point, um, but you know, I mean, and, and like I said, the Barkov thing is all about he's put up the points. He's a great two-way player. He's probably going to have a Bergeron-type run of Selkies at some point here. The Panthers stink. No one cares about them, and people want to look cool and say, "Hey, you know, you know who is really flying under the radar these days?" Sasha Barkov. Alex Barkov. <laughs> I bet you didn't think I was going to say that one. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But, yeah, like I said, it's all, there's a lot of marketing to it. They want to get us to talk about it. They send out a press release to make sure that we write about it and talk about it. So Chip you know, on the shoulder. Fine. Bruce Cassidy can put that up in the uh, dressing room <laughs> day one, right? If anybody doesn't need a chip on their shoulder, it's Patrice, Patrice. Bergeron. The guy is self-motivated. I don't like and to. I would, yeah, I would hope the yeah. Game 7 performance is enough to <laughs> exactly. motivate the if, entire If this whole team isn't you know motivated by the Game 7 performance, geez. Yeah. Well, as Evan said, it is a tough start. With the West Coast swing, so they'll need the... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really rough one, and uh, th- these holdouts, it just... And you wonder, too, I, I thought of this on the drive over, is um, we know what the what the we know what the lockout plan was going into 2004-2005, let everybody walk, and we're going to take advantage of everything, and that obviously did not go as planned. Now you wonder if there's... Because if anyone knows whether there's going to be a lockout or not, it's Jeremy Jacobs... And uh, is the blockout plan now to say we're going to play hardball with, with Charlie McAvoy? Because I, I, maybe we know that there's going to be, you know, wow. or you don't want to have to, you know, pay, you know, pay him and all these things. And um, 
Well, that's, it, that's a hell of a conspiracy theory that needs flushed out a little further. What's, like what, is the, what is the strategy with playing hardball with Chaya McAvoy? Why, at this point, the, 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 the cat situation is what it is right now. Yeah. But you can sign Charlie McAvoy, as I wrote, WEI.com today. You could sign him 7 by 7 right now and be done with it. I don't, I'm not sure about that. You and think you, he would take a dollar less than what Ekblad got, if not more? I think the, I think the comparables since then have, have gone down a little bit. We've seen with some of these guys, his injury history obviously is playing a factor. He's and he's only played 117 games. Ekblad had played like 170 something and had a lot more points in that time. The well, fact that he has a plus, pan- you're not even sure they've offered him that. It could be a bridge right. deal. They, they well, that's just it. Are they looking for a bridge deal? Which to me, as I say, doesn't make sense for them because he's just going to get want, want more and more. But are they looking at it and saying, well, we don't know what the CBA looks like after right. this season. Right. We we want to. Is it really going to tighten up? What's going to happen with the escrow? There's, they just, they're. That's why the seven times seven makes so much sense. And if it's seven times seven point five, fine, because then you have the you have the certainty that you have this guy no matter what happens. And maybe you play a little harder hardball with with Carlo or next year with DeBrusque. These are the guys you mess with. You don't mess with Charlie McAvoy, and you wonder if they if they're just trying to hold the line. And if it comes down to this idea that everyone has to be David Pasternak and not play for money, yep. well then that that. You know, we talked about it on the show. I think with DJ, the cost certainty and how it look, makes Jacobs look great to say we spend to the cap every year, even though you're spending like half as much as the Celtics spend on twelve players. Yeah, it's the same type of idea now. You know, are you are you holding this this budget that no one makes more than these guys because they all f- fell in line and that's not going to you know make yourself appealing to McAvoy or other players in the long run. But maybe it's the Belichick effect. You know. Even Tom Brady takes a pay cut. Well, that's that's Tom Brady's problem. I don't know what he's been thinking all this time, but that's another podcast. Well, they need uh, CM. Uh, Listen, I'm a player's guy. I'm a free market guy. I'm a freelancer for 15 years. I know what it, the free market does. I know when people work for free how much it, it, it pushes down my, my fees and my salaries and even co- costs me work. Um, it's the same thing for all these guys, even though you're talking <laughs> six and seven figures. Um this, or seven and eight figures. This is uh, a free market, and guys got to get what they can get. And the fact is, you know, Charlie McAvoy. You could look at Drew Doughty, who Charlie McAvoy looks looks up to. He took the eight times seven, his second deal. Yeah, lived up to it, and then he got eleven times whatever it is now, and he's thirty years old, and he didn't look that great last year. And now the Kings are like, oh my god. So by the time Charlie McAvoy gets this that second deal, it, let's say he gets the seven years. Is that eleven million going to be there anymore? If if he does just a, a three or a four, it, obviously that's out of the picture. If he goes right up to UFA, what's the UFA market going to look like in five years? You'd be crazy to to to, to deal with that. You got to get what you can now. Matt, we will talk to you next Tuesday, if not before. Do you have a, a mini pod in the works? Yeah, we have. This week? We have a few mini pods. Oh, that's true. That we're we going to post some prospect good conversations. Yeah, Matt that talked we'll be to prospect. Very good. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Very active here on the skate pod. And the Mets are back in contention. And the Mets are way back in contention, you got to believe. Uh, I know everyone listening to this one certainly cares. But fan, yeah. what a dramatic uh, win last night uh, in the second game of the doubleheader. Three home runs in the seventh inning. Pete Alonso, the king of the world. Great great fact is that he has 35 home runs, needs seven to break the Mets single season record. I plan, I figure that might be late August. I'm going to a game in late August. Maybe I'll get to see some Mets history. By the way, as you pointed out, all Samuelson's name came up on the show last week. <laughs> And uh, I mentioned that, you know, as a young man, yeah. I mean, I had those were the Penguins teams I grew up on. I was sure. 12, 13, 14 years old. It was like, you know, that was my life, Penguins hockey at that time. 
and they were and going up against the Bruins, who I always liked. I always liked Boston, um, and you know Neely and the collision. You know, from from that angle, it was unfortunate, but it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, didn't feel bad for Neely. Now, you claimed that cost us Neely uh, appearing on the show. <laughs> he goes on with Snack Bar, and then he brings up injury history of Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, the irony amazing. of all ironies. He's just, I mean, come on. How, so how, I, I, I don't think that Cam Neely, the player in the early 90s, was bringing up injury histories when he was negotiating with Harry Sinden. Unbelievable. <laughs> so we well, may never talk to Cam Neely, but I thought that had to be pointed out. Absolutely. It has to be pointed out, and you never know. I mean, they kind of. I think they kind of want to know what our listener numbers are before they give us. Uh... Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> so are we legitimate enough? They'll, they'll be on with Marinovsky next week. <laughs> See ya.